0: Hello and welcome to this week's all-killer, no-filler edition of the DTC Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today, we are coming at you with another cut from our scale school on meta and Instagram ads, and we're calling it How to Recession-Proof Your Media Buying Team. We've got the founders from Pilot House, uh, Kyle, Jeff, and Dave, to open up about the key lessons that they've learned in building a hundred person media buying team, just in media buying across all platforms and disciplines. They have a wealth of knowledge on this topic and they are going to be covering basically when you should be hiring an agency and how to go about finding a good one. You're going to learn how to hire and retain and incentivize good marketers. You're gonna learn how to align your internal and external marketing teams if you do work with an agency. And you're going to learn all about company culture, which has been an absolutely essential aspect of this insane growth we've experienced here at Pilot House, where we're actually now over 160 people, which has been absolutely nuts. A uh, hundred of them in the media buying space, so. Yeah, I hope you get a lot out of Module 5 of Scale School. Of course, if you want to take Scale School, you can go to directtoconsumer.co, navigate over to Scale School, and you can see the full course on display there. But for today, I hope you enjoy Module 5, How to Recession-Proof Your Media
1: Buying Team. On with the show. It's the values
2: that create the value. The environment dictates who you are and what you are. And I think those two concepts really merge together elegantly, which is that the values create the environment because that's how decisions get made, who gets hired, who gets fired. And based on those decisions, based on those behaviors, that creates an environment. That environment could also be called a culture because if a bunch of people are working within that environment, they all kind of subscribe to this greater value system. And if that value system aligns to what you're actually trying to do, That's where the magic occurs, because the environment is conducive to success.
0: D2C marketers, let's get real. How many hours have you wasted searching for brand influencers only to come up empty-handed? It's time to stop spending time searching, scrolling, and haggling with influencers, and start using creator marketing with Hashtag Paid. With Hashtag Paid, you can find your perfect creator match for your brand in less than 10 minutes, every time. Getting started is easy, just select your audience, campaign objectives, pick from a short list of creators and hit run, it's just that easy. There's a reason why Hashtag Paid is the number one rated influencer marketing platform for D2C brands. As a D2C listener, you can even get credits for your first campaign. Just go to go.hashtagpaid.com slash DTCpod to get started. Hello and welcome to module five of Scale School, how to build a powerhouse marketing team And uh, I've brought together the co-founders of Pilot House, uh, Dave Steele and Kyle Hitchcocks to talk specifically how you can know when it's time to hire an agency. So I'll I'll start with that question. When do you you know it's time to hire an external growth partner or agency? And uh, what do you look for when
1: you do that? I think it depends on one, your money. So you either have to have some space to pay for the services or an investment or you need to kind of know where you're at. Um, There's obviously more to consider, such as the talent within your organization, your skill sets, where you want to put your time. Um, And there's there's a bunch of things to unpack there. But just broadly speaking, um, one, you got some cash. Two, you need skills that you don't currently have or you don't have time for. Amazing.
0: What do you think is essential that brands have internally, even before they think about expanding to a growth partner? I'd say a proven product, a proven you know proven audience like you gotta it's gotta be working,
2: right? Because when you bring in additional fuel for the fire or you know muscle, ideally they're in a situation where they can mm. scale something that's working. Take take knowns and apply pressure. Um, yeah, in in the cases that. I've seen that have been hugely successful, that's been the case. Anytime it's a little bit more experimental, mm. there's testing, like you're deploying an army, right? Mm-hmm. And if they're in there nitpicking, trying to solve little things, it's not gonna be efficient. So get your house in order, right? <laughs> Make sure you got something that works and then then deploy the, uh, the hungry team of performance marketers.
1: I think also just timing. So we like to talk about timelines. So if you're early stage, uh, what you need may just be someone who can do Early identification of something that you need to uncover or learn about your business, right? But when you you get out of like that early early stage and you found something that's hitting, or you found you're confident in your product and you're going to raise or you're you know bootstrapping whatever you choose to do, you need you need to navigate that early part. And then there's different skill levels in each of those stages. So uh, growth, like scale, to, to Dave's point, um, you know you. you, you you're gonna hire, hire for something different than you would earlier on in, in your business, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So when you have decided you're ready, to, you're ready to scale, you're ready for an external growth partner, what specifically should you be looking for uh, when trying to decide what kind of agency you wanna work with?
2: We're inherently biased, but uh, I would say performance marketers, right? You want... Define that. Define what performance marketing is, briefly. Performance marketers, to me, is one thing matters. Sales, right? It's all about net sales, making a sale. If you got a product, you got to sell it, right? At the end of the day, what is advertising? It's saying, hey, would you like to buy this product? And there's a whole art there about how you do that, the strategies and how you how you position, how you approach, how you give your message, your value proposition. It's It, it runs deep, but at the end of the day, what's most important to a performance marketer is getting the sale across the line and getting it across today, right? If, if we're here and I'm gonna try and sell you something, you're not gonna walk away off this table until you bought it in my mind. And if you do walk and you haven't bought, that's a lose for me, right? Whereas I think in the tr- more traditional world, it's okay if you walk away today without buying it because I'll try again tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow.
0: How can you tell if you're talking to a growth partner that is not a performance marketing agency? What are some of the things you might hear? I, you know, I, it's funny, I've talked to a few recently and someone was talking about um, you know, the cost per clicks or these metrics that are sort of considered more vanity metrics. Yeah. And I imagine when you hear more of those vanity metrics as things that an that agency or growth partner is putting out there, you might want to run the other way.
1: Again, I always go back to the stages. There's like early stage startup, you're either invested or you're not. You're bootstrapping or you're, you have funding, right? And then there's the middle, and then there's the mature stuff, like the Fortune 500s, and they're just like, "You know what? I want to just like spend a bunch of money today because I got a budget and I just mm-hmm. want eyeballs." and mm-hmm. so really it's it depends. We work with all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the conversation really comes down to what is the goal? So you know what? Cost per click might be a good goal for some people. That could be a good goal. yeah I think it's going to be antiquated pretty quick. I think it's going to shift. I think. I think at the end of the day you need to somehow have some visibility into some traction that you've gained even if you are measuring cost per click when you're when you hire a growth partner how do you make sure you're asking
0: the right questions ultimately how do you make sure that you keep that agency honest
2: so anytime you're working with a partner it must be built upon the foundation of transparency there's no hiding right the data is the data you need to be willing as a brand as a as a partner to you know open your book, so to speak, open your Shopify and say like, this is what really matters and we need to align on these numbers. Mm. Everything upstream doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Our partnership must be built upon the actual things that count. And the challenge is that that requires hard work. And so if you're sniffing around finding out a partner, you have to know, are they willing to do the hard work? And that's a hard thing to find.
0: So specifically, like what, how, how, do you quali- how could a brand qualify whether or not an agency is ready to roll up their sleeves and do the hard work that's going to be required to scale?
1: I, th- I think, I mean, agency, the word, like, the word agency, da, 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 it's just, ugh. don't like that word. Don't like that word. But, you know, we are one, technically. Now, agencies typically are really good at sales or services. And there's this middle ground, whether they're really good at sales or they're like kind of good at services or they're really good at services and they're not good at sales. I think mm. like, first of all, like you ask the salesperson to bring the team so that you can talk to them mm. before you close a deal. Look them in the eye and say, what are we going to do here, guys? How are we going to do this together? And if you're not getting a good vibe back, then keep shopping. Mm. Great advice. Yeah, disparity between the sales
2: team and the actual operational mm. team is 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 big. Mm. Uh, find out in the deal structure, are they willing to win when you win? Yeah,
1: you
2: know it's a hard one. Like I spend so much of my day <laughs> deciding, am I willing to win when you win? Because I'm now in your shoes, and can I win if mm-hmm. I was in your shoes? And if I don't believe I can, yeah, then I'm not going to look you in the eye and say, hey, pay us all this money and then not believe it. I have to believe it. I have to believe if I'm in your shoes and if our team, and we, just like you said, we go to our team members and we Mm. say, can you succeed? Can you really
1: do it? Because if you can't, you don't get to share the spoils of your battles. There's no spoils. If there's no spoils, why are you going to battle?
0: Exactly. exactly. So then what sort of questions are we thinking of asking brands when we decide if we want to become their growth partner? What do we need to know about a brand, in our case specifically, if we're going to join them?
2: Well, it's really interesting. All of a sudden, we're, we need to know the margins. right? We need to know if we're going to take a piece of the profit, mm-hmm. how much profit is there? Every time you sell a product, what's on the table? Yeah. Right. If there's a little wee piece of meat left over and we've we got a lot of hungry yeah. mouths to feed, <laughs> it's tough. And maybe... A different strategy a leaner strategy Um, you know you probably need just select people who are going to be a little bit more lean mean scrappy align probably to a little closer
1: to the brand than even we can be as a partner I, i think also just the fundamentals like cost of goods sold do you know them or do we have to establish those for you what is your shipping times how long does it take for you to get your inventory orders do you have inventory on hand these are questions that we must know in order to do a good job because our team is fully integrated. These are questions a partner can ask agency or an agency can ask the partner. And if both sides aren't really in tune with, with the actual numbers, we have this thing, we say, know your numbers. Mm-hmm. Ask people if they know your numbers. If they don't know your numbers, it's not a good partnership. One way or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, And I think that's a really important thing. Because um, you know if, if not everyone is aligned and synced to the numbers, the reason, what is our goal, what is the magic number, what are we going after? Again, you know, it's going to fall apart. And if you approach a
2: growth partner, if let's say you're a brand, you approach a growth partner and you say, hey, we need to make a decision on a, on a mm-hmm. new agency or a new partner by next week, mm. expect that to fail, mm. right? Because neither party can do proper due diligence mm. to actually believe in what they're doing. And it's just an unfortunate nature of you're, you're forcing a situation that isn't going to be as productive yeah. as one where you can actually say we're going to do this together like let's look forward a year from now two years from now we're going to be popping champagne because we we grew this business from 10 million to 50 million now that's something worth aligning a big team of people around Mm. and go out and get it and make it happen
1: on the flip side too i mean listen let's let's be serious there's other services there's Development for your e-com store, there's landing page builds, there's like content writing, direct response, blah blah blah. Or not direct response, doesn't matter. You need content for your website. Like it doesn't matter. There's a bunch of services out there and, and you know we're getting pretty, pretty heavy on like the like we're going to the moon conversation here. But like no matter what, just find partners that are clear in their communication, there's clear scopes, meet the team who's gonna work on it, do a good job, ask them to do a good job, be nice, they'll be nice, and uh, get aligned, you know. Mm-hmm. No matter how big or small the project is, if you just don't, you don't know who. There's no clear scope. Like at the end of the day, you have to have a clear scope, and you have to be aligned. Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned multiple partners, and this is something I come across on the podcast when it, you know uh, when brands are looking for agencies, they're often looking for the best in class in each individual category. So they want us, they want the best email marketing team, they want the best Google team, they want the best. I, I wanted to t- you know we're an omni channel agency, so I know uh, you know we're ultimately looking to to get all of a client's business if possible. But I wanted to, can you guys speak to that a little bit about what we, how we work with other agencies and as a brand, You know, how many agencies are a lot of these brands even juggling? We try and do the hard thing, which is treat
2: any other partners mm-hmm. as our own, right? Because at the end of the day, what are we all trying to do? We're trying to support this business, this brand and the team, because hopefully they got a great product, they got a great mission, they got mm-hmm. good values and we want to see them good succeed. Uh, so you have to come from that place of, you know what? I want our competition to succeed, you know what I mean? Because them succeeding is no, nothing bad to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it, it rises the tide of the industry. It, t- mm. it, it creates this trend, this DTC trend that we're on, and we're all riding that wave. So uh, coming back to your earlier question of what to look, what to look for in a, in a partner, try and find those values, right? Like what are your company values? Because if, yeah. if it's just smash and grab and make some money, guess what, when push comes to shove and they have to play nice with three other agencies, they're probably not going to.
1: And that's not going to be an agency you want to work with in this no. environment. Short term, maybe, you know, maybe, depending, yeah, yeah. yeah maybe, you, maybe. You, maybe. Yeah, we talk about values all the time, like we're values, values, values all the time in all of our content, but I, you know, it's it's not about our values, it's about what the brand's values is. Like what are your values as a brand owner? What are your values when you're looking for a partner to do work with you? They're not our values necessarily, you'll have your own values. Match that shit up. Make it happen.
0: So this module that we're in is specifically about how to build a powerhouse marketing team. So any brand owners out there. This is literally about, you know, this video specifically is about how you can go about hiring good marketers. And I know mm-hmm. this is a problem that, that people have in the industry. And whether you are looking to hire marketers or you're looking to be hired, I mm-hmm. wanted to ask, like, what do we look for in media buyers when we're bringing them onto the Pilot House team?
2: To me, I do a lot of the first interviews, what I call the gut check. And at the end of the day, the big question I ask is, would I partner with you? Right. Would I want you to be a shareholder with me where you have to have the ultimate trust? Right, I trust you to act in my best interest and I'm going to act that way in yours. So if, I don't, if you don't viscerally trust someone for, for, for us as an agency, why would I put that person in contact with our partner if I don't viscerally trust them? Why would our partner trust them? Right? And I don't think, I think that extends no matter what you do. It's not just an agency thing. If you're running a brand, you have to, at the end of the day, trust this person that they're going to look after your best interest in the same way that they're going to look after the brand's best interest. They're going to look after their colleague's best interest. And so you can, from that foundation, you you can build upon it, right? Things like transparency, which we talked about earlier. When shit goes wrong, which it will always. 100%. Are they going to just come to the table and own it and say, I messed up, right? Because you can deal with that, right? You expect that out of a partner. Partners don't hide things from each other. So you expect that from every member of the team. And in this industry, when you're running campaigns, intentionally you're expecting half of them to fail. You're expecting things to go wrong.
1: Higher. (laughs) So 90% fail.
2: But you expect the culture to embrace that mm-hmm. and to move forward and to push and to keep trying. And you ex- also expect them to just come forth with, uh, and, and own it.
0: It was a 90% failure, 10% win. How do we focus in on that 10%? Exactly. As the idea. Okay, cool. So that's the gut check phase of bringing on media buyers. Beyond that, what's the actual process that we go through when we when we hire people just to make sure, once they get past that gut check mm-hmm. phase?
2: Mm-hmm. That's where it gets fun, honestly. Uh, we like to do things different, right? We like to just see people in the actual element that they'll be in, right? Just real talk. My conversations with people, it's not an interview, it's a conversation. Mm-hmm. I tell them all the reasons they shouldn't join Pilot House. Right. And if you're a brand owner, you should and you're in charge of hiring, you should tell everyone why they shouldn't join your company. Because they're them, going to find out three months the, from now. Give
1: them the black
2: the black holes.
1: The black, black holes hole story. Do yeah. it. All right. So <laughs>
2: If you don't know much about this industry, there's a few things you need to know. First of all, there's a scoreboard on the wall at all times. You are a contender. You're competing always. And if you're not comfortable being on the court, playing the game, you're probably not gonna like waking up in the morning. You're gonna have that Sunday night anxiety. Sunday scaries. Sunday scaries. And right away I'd say, you deserve to not have Sunday night scaries don't go on the court if, if this isn't the right thing for you. Mm. And that extends through to the black hole, which is the industry doesn't sleep. Right? Mm. Campaigns run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a, it's a, the phone is the black hole. The phone is, that, is the right? black hole. And yeah. Slack is, you know, what, 10,000 messages a day. If y- you have to actively tune it out. Mm. Otherwise, it can control your life. Because if you're the right person for the role, you love it. You're thrilled by it, you're addicted to it. You want to have the action, you want to see your campaigns and you need to have it within you to actually be able to push back and not have Mm. that dinner with your family interrupted because you can go to a dark place, right? So I tell people, you need to know you have the self-control to not only feel the thrill, but to manage the thrill Mm. because six months from now, two years from now, you don't want to wake up and say like, this wasn't for me
0: especially when you've got this whole like, uh, dissolution of work and life boundaries that you have. You, you have to find people that can kind of set those boundaries themselves yeah. and really embrace the thrill of the hunt, but know enough to be able to set boundaries in order to still have dinner with their families.
2: Exactly.
0: And for, the, for those who thrive, they got places to go. Right? Mm. I got places to go,
2: I want that. I don't want to be confined to an eight hour window. I don't have an on off switch, I'm living. I'm getting where I want to go, and that means I wake up every day with that intention, and that's the difference maker. So when I'm looking at someone, I'm sitting across having a conversation, isn't that, do they have it? Like, really, do they have it? Yeah. Or are they just looking for another you yeah. know, another J-O-B <laughs> just because that's, that's what they think they need? Step
1: number two, may I? Yes, please. <laughs> Step number two is we put everyone through a team screen. So uh, we, we trust the people that we hire. Dave tried to scare them off. He said, mm-hmm. you don't want to be here, you don't want to be here. And they're like, I really want to be here. And we're like, okay. They go and meet the team. So team has buy-in. doesn't matter if they've been here six months, two years, three years, four years, whatever. The, we mix it up, we rotate it. We want everyone to be involved in the hiring process. So They'll do two to or one to three different uh, team screens, and there's a scorecard.
0: Is that for skills and culture, or is it mainly still just for
1: culture? It's a gut check, it's their gut check. So they'll actually work in office. I mean, COVID was difficult, remote through Slack. We didn't Mm -hmm. share a screen. Uh, Team overcame that challenge quite successfully, but focusing in here, uh, it's an in office. So can I work with you? Do do I think you share the values? Do I think that you'd be capable? There's a a criteria, I don't remember what it Mm is. Um, And then there's a a third step, which you can get into just for the sake of uh, passing the baton here. What's the third step? Some kind of test? It's an exact screen. Mm. It's
0: mm-hmm.
1: an exec screen. Yeah, that's
2: where we 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 try and ask try and try and ask unusual questions. Really get a sense of you know who this person is, right? Mm. So throw them some curveballs, have some fun. Uh, what would be some example things that we? we <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, I told you a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's there's basically the intention of this is really is to finalize the the, like are you sure you want to be here because it's going to be a lot of work Mm -hmm. and you're going to be here we're going places but it's not for everyone are you sure they say yeah or no i'm like okay cool have a good day or like nice to meet you whatever we just ask questions and it's marketing questions and it's fast and it's it's like what angle would you do with this idea and they're like what's an angle and i'm like what do you think an angle is Go on, go on, go on. Just curve balls.
2: You're, you're selling shoes. Sell me this shoe, kind of. Classic, you roll the pen over on the desk, Tell me the pen, right? Yeah. You gotta do that to really see how someone thinks. You know, on see, their feet. On their feet, yeah. but also deep, deep pressure. It's not like,
0: yeah, yeah, you know, it's no, about it's creating fun. an environment. Fun. Yeah, uh, coffee's for closers. No, <laughs> <laughs>
1: none of that. No, but I mean, we do talk about our ambitions and whatnot. I guess the moral of the story is like, there's people with experience and those questions are a lot different. There's people that are older, those questions are a lot different. Mm-hmm. There's people that have less experience. Those people, it's like, what video game do you play? And they're like, la la, I'm like, I have no idea. I'm like, what genre game is that? And they're like, it's a first-person shooter. I was like, what position do you choose as a character in that game? That kind of stuff, because like... You need to get to know this person. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you want to see them talking about something they're passionate about, Mm. because you can see their range a little bit, right? If you can get them talking about, yeah, where where does their spark come from? You can see them get, whether it's video games or something else, you can Mm. get them jacked up. You can really see where where that passion can, can lie.
1: Totally. And then, you know, outside of fundamentals, of course there's people with different experiences. If there's people with a lot more experience, they get a different experience with, with the interview. Same process though. We'll have someone with one year interview, someone who's got eight years experience because we are committed to that team, those values and whatnot. But at the end of the day, no one's a dick. Is hmm. that me. <laughs> uh, but i
0: wanted to ask briefly you're not going to always be able to hire seasoned media buyers you're mm. going to have to be able to hire people that are maybe even unfamiliar with with what the term media buying means mm. can you talk a little bit about how we balance hiring for experience versus training people mm.
2: personally i would choose fundamentals uh first so if someone has the right fundamentals and you've, you've done the deep think and you said you know snap your fingers, it's five years from now, do you really want to be an expert in this field? And there's a, there's a bit of an ugly truth there, part of the pushback is like, at the end of the day, you sell shit. Yeah. Right? You have to want to sell stuff because our world thrives on manufacturing products, sticking them on boats, shipping them across the world, mm. putting them in cardboard boxes, then on trucks and shipping them out, right? There's some ugly nature to that right now, I hope that we will be a part of some some uh, green initiatives and some solutions in our near future. Um, but you got to be you got to want that. Yeah. Right? You have to wake up and say like, I am the best at this. If someone says, What do you do? Your answer is, Man, I can sell X better than anybody yeah. else in the world.
1: I think also it just comes, I always go back to timelines. Everyone probably resents me for it at this point, but there's a timeline in your business, your expertise, and your experiences. And so if you were like a small business and you're like I need to build my business you're gonna have to hire someone with experience or you're going to have to have media buying skills. If you have media buying skills and you can hire people with less experience if you don't have those skills you either need to partner with someone or find someone with the skills go back to your values Mm -hmm. make sure you're aligned. If you have a mid-sized team and you don't have media buying experience you're going to have to find someone with experience or you're going to have to find a partner if you do have experience Find someone else to do your accounting and whatnot. Look at your workflow, look at your abilities and where you're at in this space. I was a media buyer. It was easy to train media buyers. Super easy, came naturally. Easy to build funnels, teams, that's why we have an agency. Mm -hmm. Our business is built around skills that I had. So just find out where you're at in your business. If you don't have the skills, hire someone to support you or partner with them. If you have the skills, make it
0: happen. And if you're a media buyer out there like looking to, to be hired, maybe you, you do want a job, it's a, a pretty incredible opportunity. We, we talk about, you, you mentioned five years as a time frame in order to master these skills. We've been working at this for almost a decade and we're still learning all the time. But we also have a bunch of senior employees who we would consider total industry vets that have been doing this for one or two years sometimes. Like the, the time frames in this industry, I feel like when you're spending, you know, whether yeah. it's millions a month, or hundreds of thousands a month, it, it can really accelerate so you can become uh, you know, a, a, a very knowledgeable person in this space in a relatively short period of time versus maybe other industries.
1: I think it really just comes down to your mentors. I think it comes down to what your environment is. You can be an amazing accountant as long as you have the right person to show you how to be an accountant mm-hmm. or you have the self-drive to go and study accounting. I would not be able to do that. My th-
0: <laughs> you spend money more than you like to count. It.
1: I get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I, I guess, I guess at the end of the day, just like yeah, either hire someone with experience, or you train up. Our sweet spot, honestly, where we where we invest in training, our sweet spot is probably like year and a half to two and a half years, where. You train, 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 and challenge and encourage and blah, blah, blah. But that's our whole jam is, is building this talent. Mm-hmm. And they've called us a talent business because that's where all of our energy goes into mm-hmm. creating amazing talent that is fluid and works together. Teams are cross-pollinating across traffic platforms and so on and so on and so on. You don't need to think about it that extensively. What you need to, need to do is figure out, again, you either have the skills, you hire support. If you don't have the skills, you hire a lot of experience. Simple as that, it's as simple as that.
2: And quick advice for anybody who's an aspiring media buyer. Mm. The the difference maker as a media buyer is initiative, getting it done, doing it. Just not overthinking it, don't dwell, do. So if you're looking, because you want to work at this brand or you want to work at this agency, just do it, right? You have to- Cream rises to the top. Cream rises to the top. Go to the Facebook ads library, download, watch this course, study it. Really show that you're just taking actions mm-hmm. because that is the difference maker between
1: the winners and the losers in the space. The job of everyone who has a job is to make the person who they're working for have time. Yes. If you can make whoever you're working for have time, that means that you can level up into their shoes. And if everyone is doing that, the whole way up the value chain in the world, everyone gets to mm-hmm. level up. And
2: if someone comes, <laughs> if someone comes to us and says. Hey, I went ahead and I took my shot at filming a bunch of UGC videos yeah. as if I was promoting one of your clients that I can see on your website. And I actually built out this campaign structure that you know I think I would use to, to promote this. Even if it's total garbage, I would hire them over someone who has the skills on paper. Because this person, it's a push or pull, right? Do I have to push this person?
0: Whereas this person is pulling me? Yeah. I want them. And it's the nature of the industry, right? We've talked about it throughout this, this whole this whole course so far. It's this iterative nature. Pardon my, my language, but it's throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks in a, in a lot of the cases. The
1: original term is spaghetti.
0: Spaghetti, you, you throw spaghetti at the wall. You're a dad, how yeah. dare you? <laughs> you see what sticks. And, and I think that and you need people who are willing to take that initiative because this industry is unlike so many others where you can throw spaghetti on the wall and get a real-time feedback within an hour. 100%. Right. Welcome to video three. Uh, of our module here. Specifically, let's chat about how to align your external and internal marketing teams. People taking this course will have likely built an internal marketing team. Mm -hmm. They will also potentially be engaging uh, external marketing players, whether that be agencies or other service providers. How do you recommend that brands align themselves perfectly so that their internal and external resources work seamlessly? To me, the biggest thing
2: is aligned incentives. It's what gets everyone up in the morning and whether you're a business owner or whether you're working in an agency, really asking yourself, what am I working towards? What are my goals? And how can achieving those goals be a win for me and be a win for the whole team, right? So whether that's your external partner, whether that's your internal team, hanging those carrots in the right place and then measuring everyone's success based on how they're progressing towards that goal. Because at the end of the day, everyone wants to win. Everyone wants to win both for their company and for themselves. And when they win for the company, if they win for themselves, that creates alignment and that creates the magic. Can you give us some exact examples of how this works? Absolutely. Uh, One of the most common things we see is this issue of a creative feedback loop where the very creative that media buyers need to run to be successful, you've got designers and content managers developing and if they're not aligned in the same way that the media buyer is, they're playing two different games, right? And so you have to bridge that gap. You, they both have to be working towards the same goals, and therefore they have to win at the same time. So we call this the creative feedback loop, where data, performance data, that the media buyers are, you know, they've got their hands on the tools and they're inserting creative from a creative team. That creative team needs to be on the same skis, we like to call it, uh, which means they're going down the mountain together, they're both looking at the same data, they're going to make the next batch of creative based on the data of the first. And when that creative is successful, they're both chasing the same goals. And when they win, they win uh, and everyone wins. So. And then
0: how do you balance that against a brand who maybe has more uh, stringent brand controls? Because I, I think that's what you're talking about. You're talking about sort of the polished scrappy spectrum a little bit that we've talked about in some previous mm-hmm. units here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just have to make sure that as a brand you're aligned with what's performing while still maintaining whatever you need to around your brand integrity. Exactly, two healthy pressures, oftentimes opposing
2: pressures, what works and what supports a brand or or builds brand equity, those are often two opposing forces. And when everyone's aligned, you can find a a happy balance between the two, so that, again, everyone wins. Love
0: it. Um, And then when it comes to actually really driving massively scaled campaigns, Obviously, understanding the real bullseye of exactly what people are aiming for is is critical. Can you speak a little bit about what it means to be hitting the bullseye? Yeah, I mean,
2: as a performance marketer, at the end of the day, it's money in your pocket, right? It has to be, and that means Shopify sales, right? Net sales, gross revenue, minus discounts, minus returns, returns don't count, it's gotta be net sales. So that's the bullseye, and the more you can bring team members and rally them behind that number, the more
0: you can cut through the noise. Love it. We, we spoke a little bit about, about this on a recent podcast, but when, when you compare the way things are now in post iOS 14.5 mm-hmm. versus where they were uh, pre iOS 14.5 in regard to hitting the bullseye, how has that changed in this new world?
2: Back when Facebook was pretty accurate. I mean, I've, I know in my time I've pulled many reports of Shopify customer exports and I've matched them up based on geos, based on gender, based on uh, obviously conversion value. And it's 98% in some t- in some clients uh, accurate, right? That, when, when that was the case, it made sense to use Facebook uh, conversion value as, a, as a, a bullseye for the media, media team. Uh, nowadays, you can't rely on it. So that's why it's shifted towards core Shopify uh, data. However, you have to, of course, account for the fact that there are multiple channels coming in driving that Shopify uh, revenue. That's where this whole aligned incentive piece comes into play. You have to have everyone on the same team, right? You can't have uh, an agency over here who's doing uh, one effort, and then your internal team is doing another effort, and then you've got a Google agency over here, and a TikTok agency over here, and everyone's got their hands out asking for commission on the same sale. Everyone needs to band together realize that the customer journey has multiple points, and if everyone wins when that sale occurs in Shopify and it can be distributed fairly, and that's, that's the goal here, it's difficult, right? Everyone, uh, everyone wants a personal win, but you have to be generous. And I think this only, win, this only works if you're generous. This only works when you say, I want you to succeed. And so even though, yes, I might be contributing a lot of value here, I know
0: you're also contributing value, and if you win, we're going to be able to lift each other up. And this is going to be a challenge for brands who are using multiple external partners, possibly, Mm because you really have to bring them all to the table and kind of have this discussion. You can't have one claiming credit for something someone else is claiming. So for for brands that have maybe multiple external partners, it could be a challenge. Absolutely. But it has to happen. It has to happen. We hear it all the
2: time, which is why we've gravitated towards trying to put everything under one roof, really... Bring people together, and there's going to be a, a probably a reckoning for all those who are relying on um, relying on people. And if, if they don't play nice, uh, it's going to come at the cost of, of
0: sales. I wanted to talk a little bit about incentive and media buyers for a second here. You know, you've how many media buyers have you hired? You've hired all, almost you know you know dozens and dozens, mm-hmm. over 50 media buyers probably in the in the last little while. Getting there, yeah. Getting there. Um, I wanted to ask, like, when you say incentivization around media buying, why is incentivization so important uh, to hiring good media buyers? Mm-hmm. For me,
2: it's because I see myself in everyone else, right? I, I say, well, how would I feel if I were in their shoes? And I know I'm ambitious, I want a path, I want to grow, I've got lots of personal ambitions, I know I need money, That's why I'm, that's why I'm working. And I know I see that in other people too. And so if they don't have that path, if they can't say to myself, okay, well, I'm making this, how do I double that? Right? And if you don't have an answer for that as a leader, you gotta fix that, mm. right? You need to know how, how people can excel in their, um, in, the, in their life and in their role. And media buyers, thankfully, they've got their foot on the gas, right? They're
0: the most well positioned to send it and change their fate. We were working with D2C with a, with a company and we had them on a non-commission program. We had them on a, on a percentage of spend. And then we kind of moved them over to a performance metric because they were specifically saying like, as a media buyer, when you start to be able to drive lower results, it's intoxicating. When you can start to see you know, mm-hmm. in real time that you're driving better results, it's this great feeling. And when you can couple that with something that benefits that buyer personally, you're gonna get their absolute best efforts to keep driving those costs of conversion down. Yes. My
2: first exposure to performance marketing was people getting up at four or five in the morning to check campaigns, make adjustments, then go back to sleep and then wake up and do it again. And they'd be staying up till midnight to do the same thing. And I thought, what the hell is this? I've never seen this before. And it's because that was their life they were in control of and they were changing. And when it comes to my progress, hell, I'll I'll pull all-nighters, right? And if you can get that, if you can create that alignment with your team, and that's not just media buyers, right? That's everything. It can be more difficult with other roles,
0: but you have to try and find that path for everybody. Nice. So when you have uh, many external partners, maybe, uh, how do you manage communication? What's your philosophy on communication? Avoid meetings for the sake of meetings, right? It's the
2: bane of productivity, and the cure is clear goals clearly setting the bullseye and not being as concerned with how you get there that kind of breeds into the the culture of autonomy the culture of support is to say we hired these people because we know they're capable they can get to the bullseye I'm not going to micromanage them on their journey I'm going to evaluate them on their ability to get there and after a while you start to develop trust that people have competence they can if you agree that they need to get to here and they'll get there, you need to give them space and you don't need to meet four times in between. It only works if you got the right people, but we've built our business on the right people, right? And so if you are running a business and you have a team, obviously you need to make sure you have
0: the right people, you need to give them the autonomy to get where you need, they need to go, and that creates efficiency. And then around reporting, you know, that's specifically kind of managing your own internal marketing team. But in a situation where you're also reporting your results back Mm -hmm. to clients, Mm -hmm. how do you strike the right balance with reporting the right amount? By focusing on
2: the things that matter, the things that move the needle, right? We're in the digital marketing space, you got everything from impressions, to clicks, to time on site, to add to cart, to initiate checkouts, to purchases, to everything. You have to know that at the end of the day, the purchases are the only thing that truly matter, at mm-hmm. least you know to a performance marketer. And if we spend four hours debating the click-through rates and the add-to-cart rates, those are four hours that could have been spent
0: doing activities that move the needle and drive sales. Lovely. And has, uh, I wanted to ask you also specifically, you play a lot of foosball. Has anyone ever bageled you before? Has anyone ever <laughs> actually...
2: You, uh, <laughs> has anyone actually
0: held you to zero goals on the foosball table? Uh, yes. Who did yes. that? All right, all right, all right. Glowed yeah, it up. I mean, glowed it up. Just wanted to get it on camera. Just wanted to get it. Good man. He has been bageled, uh, and it was me who did it. I've never been baggled. <laughs> I'd be unbagelable, actually. Uh, so that's <laughs> We'll put that name to the test tonight, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to video four. Today, we're gonna talk a little bit about company culture and why it's so important when it comes to creating a team that can really scale Facebook and Instagram ads. So Dave, what do you think is, is most important about creating a good company culture? I can only go from my personal experience. And
2: I think many years ago, I'd heard this phrase, it's the values that create the value. And I mulled on that for a little while. And as I started to observe the industry, see how things go, I think in conjunction with that, there is this book called The Biology of Belief. It's on on epigenetics, which talks about Mm. how the environment dictates who you are and what, what you are. And I think those two concepts really merge together elegantly, which is that the values create the environment, because that's how decisions get made, that's how who gets hired, who gets fired. And based on those decisions, based on those behaviors, that creates an environment. That environment could also be called a culture because if a bunch of people are working within that environment, they all kind of subscribe to this uh, to this greater value system. Mm-hmm. And if that value system aligns to what you're actually trying to do, what your progress is trying to accomplish, that's again where the magic occurs because the environment is conducive to success. So as a brand owner, as a company owner, you really have to ask yourself, what are those values that everyone needs to embody? And if everyone does embody those values, it makes what we're trying to accomplish easier.
0: As an example, what are
2: Pilot House's core values? Alignment, transparency, value creation, velocity, and accountability each of those have a story they have a meaning uh, a lot of it came from observation right alignment so often in this industry people are misaligned right you got one group of people or one person whose objectives are differing from the others then you could you could zoom out to the macro level you've got individuals who aren't aligned to the company's direction and they're almost being you know used in a way And I, you know, obviously we said, well, this isn't wrong. Imagine if everyone was rowing in the exactly same direction. We all said, you know, the train's heading this way. I always say when, you know, anyone joins the team, make sure you know where the train's heading, you know, before you jump on and three months from now end up over here. And if you're really trying to go over
0: there, boy, that's stupid. So any brand owners out there who haven't really aligned on what their core values are. That's gotta be job number one at on this one. point. Number one. Uh, so, so you got your values, then you've also got <clears throat> your mission as well. Do we, does Pilot House have a mission?
2: Yes. It's ever evolving, yeah. which is the tricky part. I find that in an environment that changes so rapidly, the mission can change, but the values have stayed the same. And so that's where I think we've focused our energy. We're busy. Right? You only have so much time to communicate. Boy, communicating values is hard enough and communicating the mission which is changing and the direction and the, and the vision and all these things. Thankfully, a culture does the work for you. I've come to learn because if people believe in the direction, they don't actually have to know exactly where it is, they just kind of have to know where we're going, right? And they, they can almost fill in the, fill in the blanks because there will be blanks.
0: Yeah and we've embodied that i think massively going from 15 to 115 120 employees in uh, you know a year and a half mm. and to have a team that is as aligned i, I heard someone describe our the company culture at pilotus as like as if an invisible thread was kind of pulling through the center of all mm. people with, with you, know, you didn't you don't see it it's not there as shackles or anything like that but everyone is aligned and motivated in the same way i think because they're bought in on these core values and it allows mm. like you're saying like a lot of autonomy um, you know, and a lot of wiggle room in order to play in all of these things that we're talking about, whether that's velocity or, uh, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall or <laughs> mm-hmm. whatever. If you is as, as long as you have the core values aligned, you have this thread that runs through people, then you can really give them the freedom to run and be as crazy as you need to be to be a really good media buyer or a really good creative developer or something Nailed like that. It. Nailed it. When it comes to your core values, how do you make sure that your entire organization is aligned on them from your junior employees all the way to your executives? It's tough. It's tough, honestly. I think about that often.
2: And the only thing I've seen real progress in is when the distribution of these values happens as a part of the way business occurs, right? It doesn't only happen when you make the effort to make it happen. Because if you're always, it's a sort of push versus pull thing, right? It's like if you're always, if it only happens when you take the time to do it, you're not going to have enough time to do it. No. You've got, you got a million other things you've got to do. And so an example of that would be, we talked about, you know, the five core pilotos values. One of them is value creation, which really tries to address the issue of entitlement, mm. which is solved by you've got to create value first. You've got to do good first and then stake your claim in that, that which you've created, right? And if every dollar you make came because you created a Mm -hmm. big pie and you took a piece of that pie, that's gonna lift the people up around you, right? So you have to lift your neighbor up in order for you to succeed and how that, like you can say that and people might get it and you could keep saying it and people might get it, but when they see it, when they see someone act and behave in that way, you, you truly understand it in a deep level. And I think as more people act in that way, it becomes a culture, right? Mm-hmm. It becomes real. Yeah. And, and to act out of fashion, if you start pushing like a crab in the bucket scenario, if you start
0: pushing people down to climb up, all of a sudden you stand out like a sore thumb. I was at a company one time and it was sort of in, the, in its later stages of growth and it, things weren't going super well. and And we ended up having this, I remember we had a big talk one time about the, the plague of credit and blame, which is, mm. seems to be what you're, and, and this was an issue where people were either taking credit for things that had happened or they're blaming other people for thing that had, things that had gone wrong. This sort of like gets out of that vicious cycle and is just about how do we actually create value that we all benefit from outside of what already exists. Exactly. And I think about it as like, even when you and I were originally talking about D 2 C, you know, we were, we were originally talking about Pilot House and maybe me coming on and, and helping there mm-hmm. and, and your whole notion of just like, how do you how do we create new value? How do we create mm-hmm. new equity? How do we, and, and I think it's something that I really got right from the beginning of my relationship with Pilot House and it's so good on you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're not getting the D2C newsletter, you can subscribe for free at directtoconsumer.co. And if you want to learn more about Pilot House's all killer, no filler services, take off to pilothouse.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the d 2 Podcast. We'll see you next time.